What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of the Nolan & Company Sports Podcast. It is Monday, the 21st night of September 2020. We hope that you are ready for the fall. It is getting cooler here in Texas, I can tell you that. Coming to you from the official Nolan & Company Sports Panic Room, 50 feet under an undisclosed city that is not... Galveston. Hmm. Not I'm on the just, coast? Yeah, down the coast. I'm just Nolan because you can't handle the route. The man joining me from his treehouse, perched above his mother's backyard, who can do it? Mason Pruitt. You were right about it's becoming fall. It's getting cooler, and I love it. It's finally getting hoodie season, which is my favorite, so I'm really excited. Yeah, it's about time for me to bring out, uh, as I... I'm pretty sure I said either last week or the week before my uh, my uh, baseball un- long sleeve undershirt. And just yeah, and my I t-shirts over that. Yeah, and I told you last week it's approaching flannel season, and I I know you're not a flannel guy, but that that's my type of clothing. It's my type of style. I just can't get no. I I I'm sorry. I just can't not buy into that. I just can't. Today in sports history. 49 years ago today, in 1971, we're going back-to-back Texas Rangers-related updates as today, the American League okays the Washington Senators' move to Arlington to become the Texas Rangers, making the second professional sports franchise in the DFW Metroplex behind the Dallas Cowboys. Hmm. Did not know it was the Rangers' birthday today. Not officially, but it was definitely when the move was okayed. So I guess you can say, like we say at the company, the day when Blake and I sat down and talked about uh, what we were going to do with this company, we call that Conception Day. So I guess you can call it Rangers Conception Day. (laughs) I guess so. And a special one today. Happy 59th birthday to former NFL quarterback and current Burleson Elks head coach, John Kitna. You know, I was reading that on the Google Doc today, and I wish it said happy 59th birthday to Cowboys quarterback coach John Kitna. But Holy crap. You still- know what? I may have messed this up. I may have messed this up. I may have to owe an apology to John Kitna when I see him on Thursday. Give me just a second. I may have botched this. Is it even his birthday? It is his birthday. I may have botched his age, though. 48. I was off by 11 years. You know what happened? Ooh. I did not update it from last week. I did everything but the year he was turning. So he's 48th. Happy 48th birthday to former <laughs> NFL quarterback and current Burleson Alex head coach John Kitna. And I'm sorry I tried to make you 11 years older. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's just the last thing he would probably want to hear is that he's 59. He has a son who's their quarterback, too. I guess I should have caught on. Yeah, well, and he did, was but... also in the league like seven years ago, so he would have been playing at 52. Well, he was a backup. Yeah, that's true. Today's opening question, which major league ballpark is number one on your sports bucket list? Well, I've been to two ballparks, Nolan. I've been to Globe Life Park, and I've been to Minute Maid Park. So, I then have a lot. you've only been to one. <laughs> um... Then you've only been to one. Been, Globe Life Park yeah. is not active in Major League Baseball anymore. 
That, that's true. So, I mean, I have to go with Fenway. Good I have answer. to go with Fenway or Wrigley. I mean, I feel like those are just the those have to be the answers if they you have them. They definitely are, and, and and I knew you were going to pick that, which is why I changed mine because typically I would always answer Fenway or Wrigley first. But really, the one that I want to go to the most, other than Globe Life Field, because nobody's been there yet, unless you're media or a player. Which I guess we're media, but we're not big time media. Mine would have to be Dodger Stadium. I'm a Dodger fan. I've actually never been to the state of California. and But as a Dodgers fan, and it being one of the oldest ballparks, I think the third oldest now, I, like I've got to see that. I've got to see Dodger Stadium. And the history The history there, I, I imagine, is just going to come alive there when I go see it. And So i got to say Dodger Stadium is number one on mine. Yeah, if I had to pick one stadium besides Wrigley and Fenway, I'd probably say the Padres Stadium. From what I've heard, my friend Ryan, who lives in California, said he would go to a lot of Padres games there, and he said that stadium is beautiful. So man, I imagine I that out. it's right there. And I mean, you know, when it was being built, there was nothing there, and now it's right in the middle of the cultural district of, of San Diego. So uh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um. I was actually supposed to be at opening day at San Diego this year before COVID messed everything up. Just one of the things, just one of the many things that COVID has messed up in our sports life. I know, and I will never forgive it. Nope. Today's show rundown, Nolan's double major. We got to talk a little bit of hockey. Speaking of double major, there was a double major in this past that game. Is, it was, it, yeah. it's, it's actually technically a, a 10-minute misconduct. But that's basically what a double major is. The only difference was the Stars didn't get the power play from it. Yeah, so it was right at the end of the second period. That's why a misconduct is when the player will sit in a penalty box, but his team won't be shorthanded. A double major is where he spends 10 minutes in the penalty box, but his team is shorthanded. So technically there wasn't a double major, but you know what? Let me have this one. Just let me have this one. We're going to talk a little bit about hockey. Uh, we are do, we are recording this less than two hours away from Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals between the Stars and Lightning. We'll break down Game 1 and how it impacts the rest of the series. We'll take a break. We'll go into uh, Texas High School Football, our preview of Week 5 and review of Week 4. Uh, you'll hear my pre-recorded segment after that. Then we'll go into crunch time with Mason, talk a little bit about basketball. Things are starting to heat up. No pun intended. And then we'll, yeah, you see what I did there. And then we'll talk mm-hmm. college football, and I will have a response to somebody who gave me, well, didn't give me. He said it on a different show, uh, but definitely kind of contradicted my point in my rant from last week. And I'd want to specify exactly what I meant because apparently a lot of people are bending it a different way. And then we'll have our closing question. But first, Mason, I have on the thing the famous question. How about them Cowboys? But you know what? How about that Falcons special teams? That is how you should have worded that question. It's how how about the Falcons being the Falcons and blowing a (laughs) 20-plus point lead? I, I, 
always thought that professional football players knew the rules of football, but all 11 people on that Falcons hands team, I think just went brain dead and totally forgot how to play football because that ball took seven seconds to get 10 yards and they could have just jumped on it. They could have. And by the time it actually got to the 10 yard mark to midfield, it was going so slow that they actually could have jumped on it before it gotten 10 yards. And there's no way like the Cowboys would not have been able to touch it. He would have been able, someone would have been able to pounce on that ball and it'd be Falcons ball. And we'd be talking about how the Cowboys are 0 two right now. I, I think that's one of the luckiest wins but you know I've what? ever seen. I'll take it. How you know about I'll take it. Greg Zerline's spin on that football, <laughs> which is being dubbed on Twitter as the Texas Twister? I That is a great name for it, but I saw something today where you you probably saw this stat where teams were like 440-0 and 0 when they had 39 points and no turnovers since like I did. 1933. 39. And that changed on Sunday? Yeah. Whenever they first started tracking turnovers, it's never happened before, and only the Falcons could do it. Let, let's talk real quick before we go into Nolan's double major about what went into this, okay? Four Cowboys turnovers in the first quarter alone. Matt Ryan connects on two beautiful touchdown passes in the first quarter, kick a couple field goals, and it's 20 to nothing. When it easily could have been twenty-eight to nothing. Mm-hmm. Then the Cowboys start to turn around. I do want to say, I absolutely love how Ezekiel Elliott is playing this year, despite the fact that we're one and one, and the way we lost to the Rams. I got to be honest. I love the way he's running the football this year. Yeah, he, and I, I'm really. I think Dak is getting too much heat already. I mean, that's been the story of his career for the f- four oh. and a half. Or Dak, four and a quarter years. Dak looked fantastic in the second half yesterday. But yeah. all anyone wants to seem to talk about is the bad first half, the questionable play calling, two fake punts. Okay, the first one I understand. It was 14 nothing. It was early. They were playing 10 yards off, and you're running a five-yard hitch route. But you come to find out that punters can't really throw the football. But the second one where you run well, it right Jones up the middle. Chris Jones was a high school quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and he can't throw a seven-yard hitch route. And then on the second one, everyone knew. Everyone saw that coming. You've already done it once. You were trailing in the fourth quarter, and everyone was debating going for it. So they were in punt safe, and you run it. You direct snap it, and you try to run it straight up the middle. Yeah, that wasn't going to work. And... and- Typically, if you got fourth and short, if you got fourth and two, or fourth and one, I I, I like I prefer the snap to the up back. But I agree. You'd already faked a punt once. It's not like I, I mean I guess the only reason here would be try to catch them napping, like make try to make them think they're not gonna do it again. But I mean they did not fall for that and they were all over the up back I can easily tell the Cowboys missed their linebackers Van Der Esch was out Sean Lee's out once knew about Sean Lee being out I, I miss starting tackles offensive line whoever listens to this is offensive lineman you're only appreciated when you're not there because 
it's it was bad missing both tackles and it's gonna happen oh, yeah. for probably one more week. Yeah, no, it definitely is, and so it's. Uh, uh, I apologize for the pause there. Um, uh, let me let me go into that. So I- injury wise, they're missing their tackles, they're missing their linebackers, and not only is were the Cowboys really plagued by injury this week, but so many people went down this week. The 49ers lost Garoppolo and Bosa in this game. Garoppolo for we still don't know how long, and Bosa for probably the year. Mm-hmm. Saquon, Saquon Barkley, Barkley, Christian McCaffrey. Yep. I mean, what is I, happening? I, I, dude, I, I can't tell you. I was watching the Cowboy game with about like eight other people, and I had my Adam Schefter notifications on, and it seems like every five minutes he was tweeting about an injury. No, no, it, it, it was. It's... it's, it's absolutely ridiculous i mean i i I hear some people saying blame uh, blaming the fact there were no otas no preseason and i guess they have a point you can't really just jump in at any level you can't really just jump into the season yeah i mean i i I think the no otas had some but because of the no preseason the starters don't play that much anyway so i would put it more on otas than preseason yeah, especially especially week three, the preseason. It's the dress rehearsal game. They typically get maybe a half to possibly three quarters of action. Yeah. So it 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 just seems to me that that as far as player health goes, I think the NFL kind of botched this, and I didn't really realize it until this week. Well, let's move on from Dallas Cowboys. To Dallas Stars. The hockey city. I tweeted Sunday that this was a hockey city now. Well, I don't know. 20,000 people were at at t Stadium. And yeah. in an 80,000-seat stadium, I mean, that, that that's almost on the nose, 25%. So it's nice to see the Cowboys are, what, are doing their part. But also, the people that wanted to go went, and man, you know what? They created some noise. So I, I'm not ready to not call this a football city yet, but absolutely, this place is kind of going hockey crazy at the moment. And good reason to be. Good reason to be. If the Stars win tonight, they'll have a 2 nothing lead in the series. And they'll be two wins away from hoisting a Stanley Cup, potentially... Well, no, not potentially, because they it's just, just mathematical fact. They will be two wins away from hoisting a Stanley Cup. The thing is you gotta get those wins. As it stands now, they as it stands now, they need three. And I gotta tell you. Dallas is still not favored in this series. But after what I saw on Monday, I don't know how. The Stars played fast. They played physical. They uh, they played amazing defense until the third period. The third period, Anton Hudobin absolutely said, you guys give this to me. I'll get us there. Dallas had two third period shots. And one of them was an empty net goal. And honestly... I thought Tampa Bay, not only did they look sluggish to start out, which we figured they might, 
you know, they really had, they really looked like they had played nine periods of hockey two days before this against the Islanders, and they did. It really showed. But they got frustrated. Dallas got in their heads. And as I said earlier about the uh, misconduct by Pat Maroon, who, by the way, is notorious to Stars fans, at the end of the second period, he fires the puck into the Stars bench. It hits Yoel Kiviranta in the visor when he's not even looking. And I won't dwell on that penalty, but Dallas is in their heads. And, you know, they could come out tonight or Wednesday night or even Friday night. And they could step onto that ice not even worrying about it. But when the puck is dropped and if Dallas plays as physical as they did in the first period and any of these next three games, these next three guaranteed games, and they get, especially if they get on the board first, I think Tampa Bay just is not mentally there. I don't think I th- they have th- the th- mental capacity right now. I think we've just, this whole motto of the postseason is just keeping that same mentality that no one expects us to be here. No one expected us to beat Colorado. No one expected us to beat Vegas. And Tampa Bay went in there thinking they could just outskate us, outphysical us, and just. We, we gave them a wake-up call early on. I mean, our first goal, what, that huge hit in the corner, and then I what I noticed on that first goal is that second guy who came, I can't remember who it was, but after we laid that hit, if he didn't go over there to give our guy the business, he would have been able in a position to block that shot. But he was too late getting there. Or at least disrupt Rope Hintz getting his stick on the, on the puck. Yeah. But instead, he... Puts it right on Joel Hanley's stick, right in the slot. And, I mean, he just buries it up uh, top shelf glove side. Or was it blocker side? Uh, whatever. Blocker side. It was blocker side. Yeah. So, yeah. that'd be stick side. But, dude, Tampa Bay just doesn't look like they want to be here. And you could see it on, I mean, you could see the look of, the eagle eye look of determination in the Stars' faces. Uh, but my, my prime example would be go back and look at the post-game interview with Jamie Benn. And you could see in his eyes that he's not happy they won game one. He's not think, He's not already thinking about the, the trip here. He was like, we need three more wins to get this thing. We have, we have a job to do. They, they have such determination right now that I, I, I think they're they're unstoppable. And they're easily the hottest team. Well, there are only two teams in hockey right now. But like even if the entire league was playing right now, there's a good shot that they would currently be the hottest team in hockey. They were all regular season. Yeah, some, something's clicked in the past couple of weeks. Hugh Dobin's never played like this in his, what, 14-year career? He's never, never got the seen, chance. Yeah, we've we've never seen it from him. I mean, our defensemen are playing really well. It's just we are so hot right now, and I'm hoping we can continue it for three more games. That's all we need. That's all it's going to take, just three more games, and we'll see if the Stars can pull it out tonight. They lead one game to nil against the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
Game two is at seven o'clock, about an hour and a half uh, from where we are now. It is five thirty-two Central Time on Monday, September twenty-first. When we come back, we're going to talk about Texas high school football. We're going to review what happened in week four, and we're going to preview our week five. And that'll happen next here on the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. It is the 21st night of September, and that is why this show is lovingly entitled Earth, Wind, Fire, and Sports. You're so creative with the names, Nolan. I'm really not. <laughs> I'm really My favorite was uh, Crystal, Crystal Seth. Yeah, I was hoping that one wouldn't get flagged as explicit but it did yeah well that i mean that's good i think that's one of my favorites ever or crystal blake persuasion that one was good as well see all everyone else's name in this company besides mine you can do puns like that i feel like you can't do anything with mason well so all you gotta do is just find a rhyme and then you put it in place like, like you find a title or a phrase and you put it in front of that or in place of that word in that phrase that Mason rhymes with. And so there you go. Like uh, like a few weeks ago, we did Nolan in the dough, right? Instead mm-hmm. of rolling in the dough. You know, it's, I'm going to start, I'm start looking things up. I'm trying to get represented in the titles here, Nolan. Well, the sooner you do... The sooner I can stop stressing about t- uh, show names. But right now we got Earth, Wind, Fire, and Sports because it is the 21st night of September. And a little little, uh, little company history. It was two years ago today that Blake, Seth, and I all went to Stephenville at Tarleton Memorial Stadium and watched the Midlothian Heritage Jaguars beat the Stephenville Yellow Jackets in a really close and kind of fun game uh, that we won't break down now, but uh, I'm sure if I went back and found that episode from after that game, we, we could talk about, like you, you'd hear us talking about, it. it was a good, uh, it was a good game, good game. So right now though, it is two years later and we have just finished week four of the Texas high school football season and I did not get to a Thursday game this week I was going to try I was going to try to go out east to ARP and watch them play Wascom and I didn't get that done uh, They, I never heard back from ARP and so I was left uh, with going to my hometown in Alito and watching their scrimmage against North Forney and, I, and here's the bad thing. Uh, Alito had a quarterback transfer from Godley uh, who looked pretty good in video and film, from what I could say. Uh, and he uh, had an ACL injury, and he is out for the season, most likely. And so Alito is probably going to have sophomore Brant Hayden as their quarterback this year. 
And I gotta say, North Forney is no slouch. North Forney is a good football team. And you know what? I found, so one thing was confirmed, and that is that Alito's defense this year is going to be insane. And the other one is that uh, Brent Hayden doesn't doesn't look too bad. Doesn't look too bad. We'll we'll see him. Uh, we'll see what he can do on Saturday against Weatherford. But uh, uh, no, I mean he he didn't look too bad at, uh, there at quarterback. So I think Alito will be all right. Um, I, I'm still not ready to change my state title pick from NS to Alito yet. But but I think Alito will be okay this season. And then uh, Friday, you and I both had games that were supposed to be really good marquee matchups, and I don't think either of us got what we were expecting. Yeah, well, I mean, I got one half of what I was expecting, If, but my first half was terrible. Um, yeah, if, I didn't know that nine starters for Rockdale were suspended in the first half for getting in an altercation after last game. But, I mean, that second half was really entertaining back and forth. I would have loved to see what the game would have been like if it was like that for the entirety of it, but I still I still like both teams. I think Belleville can be a underdog in 4A Division Two with the running backs they have with Richard Reese and Robert Briggs. I mean, those guys can... I, I never saw them get caught from behind, both of them, either time in that game. So if they can string it all together, maybe they can make a deep run in the playoffs. And Belleville's no is no slouch either. They they are they were ranked going into last week, I believe. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I, we obviously expected a great game. And uh, I, you know, I think you're right though. We expected more from the Rockdale side, but because of those suspensions, we just didn't get what we were expecting out of the Tigers. And I think, uh, I, I think that that will end up in their benefit more than likely. Uh, they're going to get a little more discipline now. Uh, they're going to be a little more disciplined now. I think. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that I, I've got a I got a feeling that those players on the Rockdale sideline were thinking, you know, when they're going down by that much, they're thinking, oh, all right, coach, coach is going to let us go in early. Like there's, you know, he's got to. We're so we're so far behind. No, didn't happen. So uh, I, and I, I really respect the Rockdale's coach and. I, when I was taking pictures at midfield, the two coaches met up, and Belleville's coach was like, dude, I, I respect the hell out of you for doing what you did. It says a lot about the kind of person that you are. And then in his speech to his team, he's like, hey, we need to respect those guys and the culture that they have. And he was talking about Rockdale's coach. So you can see the res- mutual respect between the two. Speaking of, I, I really don't want to be this guy. Uh, I don't want to bring to light or make fun of or joke about or, or say this to uh, in you know in a lighthearted fashion. But the Longview Lobos were scrimmaging the Texarkana Texas High Tigers in Longview at Lobo Stadium before they could even get. A quarter of the way through the timed portion, a brawl broke out. A full-on brawl. Coaches get in the middle. Referees get in the middle. They separate the two teams. Texarkana gets on the bus and goes home. John King, the Longview head coach, 
has his boys line up at the goal line. And for 30 minutes, they run hundreds. Yeah, I, my friend Matt, he FaceTimed me, and in the car was Haynes King. And so I was talking to him about it, and I was like, hey, did you see what your dad had to do tonight? And he, he didn't know, and so I told him, and he was just shocked because he's, he never thought that would have happened from the players down there. Yeah, it... it, it uh, again, I don't know who specific what who did what to cause the brawl what what uh, you know i don't know how how tense it was beforehand and i don't want to cast blame on somebody who doesn't deserve it um but but i definitely am shocked at both these teams for for that for for getting into a brawl like that uh, especially with longview having coach john king I, I mean that you know this is not a team to get into a brawl but yeah, John King is one of the most respectable coaches in the state. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, I also had kind of an off Friday. Uh, I was let, let me let me. This is a, it's kind of a funny story. Um, and by the way, um, respect to Peyton Peterson, a colleague of the show, a good friend of the show. Um, he had kind of a rough night Friday, so. I did not hear from Argyle about whether or not I got in until about 3.30 Friday afternoon. So I contacted Ryan Ebner, Grandview's head coach, and I said, hey, is it too late to get a pass uh, for your game against Glen Rose? And uh, he was like, uh, he was like, I mean, I could send it to you, but... Uh, you know, if you've got a buddy or something who I've already approved, and he's like, uh, you know, Peyton Peterson's going to be here. I know you're friends with him. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll hook up with Peyton. So Peyton sends me a spare pass. Uh, the way it works in Grandview is they'll send you a Microsoft publisher of uh, nine passes in, in grid form. And you cut out your pass, and uh, or you go to FedEx, have them make one or whatever, and, you know, that's your pass. So Peyton was having trouble already printing it because I don't think he has Microsoft access. But I said, hey, uh, do you mind if I bum one of these from you? Uh, I just let Ebner know that I'm thinking about coming there if I don't hear from Argyle and I may be joining you tonight. He said, yeah, no, absolutely take one. About 10 minutes later, I finally hear from Todd Rogers, Argyle's head coach. Uh, much respect for that man. And he says, yeah, no, you're good. Uh, get get a wristband for a sideline at the gate, and we'll see you tonight. And so I was like, okay, perfect. And it's a good thing he got back to me when he did, uh, because Peyton Peterson drove all the way to Grandview for that game. Got there an hour before kickoff. Only to find out that Grandview had positive tests. And the game was canceled. So, hats off to Peyton. We, we, we kind of feel bad for him about missing this Friday. But I narrowly avoided. I mean, they got back to me just in time. Because I was getting ready to go to Grandview instead of Argyle. So, but I go to Argyle. 
expecting a great contest between them and Waco La Vega. This is, has become a big rivalry over the past few years. And I expected nothing less than a rivalry on Friday. I get there that both teams take the field, and we find out that La Vega is short, their, uh, short a quarterback. Their starting quarterback was out. Argyle uh, did have a couple turnovers in the first half, but, I mean, dominated both sides of the ball, and it was an Argyle route of Waco La Vega. And I expected a better game, but, again, La Vega short a quarterback. You know, that is one thing, but they looked so – Argyle looked so dominant – especially in the offensive side of the ball, that I'm pretty sure that we're going to see Argyle at AT&T Stadium in December. Bottom line, this team is fantastic. And I expect nothing less than a state championship appearance uh, for them this December. That was week four, and now we're going into week five. This is the first week of 5A, 6A actual games. And Mason is going to one in the greater Houston area that uh, I'm kind of excited for because I've actually seen this particular matchup before, and I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I, I've i only seen one of these teams. I saw Cy Fair play last year. I haven't seen Cypress Ranch play, but, I mean, Cy Fair might be a completely different team this year. They hired a new coach, Jeff Miller, who was the head coach at Rockdale last year, and I saw Rockdale um, last year as well, so don't know exactly what I'm going to see from Cy Fair. I expect them to, you know, give the ball to LJ Johnson a lot, who's probably the best running back in the state, maybe the country. Um, but don't know what I'm going to see from Cypress Ranch, so I'm looking forward to it this Friday. Yeah, it should be a good game down in the greater Houston area if that's where you are. Uh, try to get tickets for this. I know that uh, a lot of uh, the larger classification schools are not having tickets at Gates. Uh, so you could probably go to the school website and get a ticket. But I think that would be a matchup worth getting to if you can. I have a busy week. Uh, I have only been confirmed for two of these games out of six. I'm waiting to hear back from the other four. I will find out about two of them tomorrow. And if I don't get those, I have a backup prepared, uh, which I won't break yet. But I, it, it's it, this is definitely the option in my back pocket. Uh, and but, here, but my schedule for this week is I will be at AT&T Stadium on Thursday for the Burleson rivalry between the Burleson Elks and the Centennial Spartans. And I think this is going to be a good matchup. Uh, it's a rivalry game. The reason they're playing at AT&T is to try to get more people in the seats uh, just because that is the game that draws the most, probably the biggest uh, capacity, the largest capacity at, uh, uh, at Burleson Stadium down there in Johnson County. Uh, they rented out AT&T Stadium for the night so they can get everybody in who wants to go. And they uh, that's where uh, that's where they'll be Thursday. That's where I'll be Thursday. Um, and Friday night, probably I'm trying to get, I'm planning on being at the same place, AT&T Stadium. Uh, Denton Ryan and Arlington Martin kick off at 4. Uh, I'm really excited to see this Denton Ryan team. And then um, Longview and Temple kick off at 8 right after. And so I'm looking forward to both of these matchups. I think they're going to be really good. Um, 
just going with my uh, just going off uh, right now off the top of my head. I'm picking, I'm taking Burleson Centennial Thursday, uh, Denton Ryan and Longview on Friday, and then Saturday the triple header Globe Life Park in Arlington, Arlington Seguin against Fort Worth O.D. Wyatt will be the 11 o'clock kick at Globe Life Park. Uh, that'll be followed by Alito against Weatherford, the Parker County Peach Classic uh, at 3:30, and then. Uh, the nightcap is the other one I've been uh, the only the other one I've uh, been confirmed to already is Grapevine and Colleyville Heritage that will that is scheduled to kick off at eight I believe uh, so I've got a long weekend and it's gonna be uh, it'll be fun it'll be a little testing but uh, no it, I'm just glad to have uh, the big school football back and uh, hopefully uh, I can get to all those games uh, you know it's kind of stressful this year having my backups. Um, you know, just on hand in case I don't get into one of these. And uh, it's definitely stressful, but we're making it work because we know that's the content y'all love and that's what y'all uh, are accustomed to with us. That is going to do it for High School Football Talk here on the Nolan Economy Sports Podcast. Next, you'll hear my pre-recorded segment followed by Crunch Time with Mason when we come back on the Nolan Company Sports Podcast. Hey, Nolan and Company listeners, this is Nolan Ruth and Blake Martin from the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. As you may have heard on the last show, I did a commercial for Bar V Custom Welding and Fencing. Unfortunately, I got the name wrong because the V is not the Roman numeral 5. Blake has been on my rear end about that ever since. But right now, we want to go ahead and tell you about our friends at Bar V Custom Fencing and Welding. Uh, they're a family-owned custom welding business uh, based out of Weatherford, Texas, they're taking your dreams and making them into a reality. So if you're in the Parker County area and you need a fence for your backyard, uh, if you're on a few acres and need some fencing for that, or even your front yard if you just hate your neighbors, go ahead and reach out to our friends at Bar V Custom Welding and Fencing. Reach out to them at 817-613-4997. That number again is 817-613-4997. You can also reach out to them at Bar V Welding, all one, no caps, at yahoo.com that's bar v welding at yahoo.com so go ahead and check them out for all your welding and fencing needs we're going bad you know what that means it is time for crunch time with mason it is basketball time, and you know what? Things are heating up. Things are heating up, Nolan. They weren't heating up the other day, but that's a good transition into what's going on in the Eastern Conference Finals, where the Heat currently have a 2-1 to one series lead. Boston got a, much, a, mu- like a must-win game in Game 3 when they were down 2-0. It was tightly contested, and then today is i believe oh i don't think they played today actually um they got a long they got a long break they don't play until wednesday that's surprising but game four but the what's going on in basketball right now is kind of surprising this the heat going in they weren't really that hot of a team and now they've only lost i believe one game or one game in the entire postseason and they are two wins away from going to the finals, in which no one really expected them to come out of the East with Milwaukee and Toronto and even Boston. Boston was heavily favored going into this series. 
And then yesterday for the Los Angeles Lakers, Anthony Davis hit a buzzer-beating three to beat the Nuggets and get, get up in the series 2-0. And just really Nuggets kind of lost that game themselves. They were up one. Alex Crusoe, who's been playing great, missed a three with about five seconds left. Failed to get the rebound, and then Anthony Davis hit a three at the buzzer. But none of us really expected the Nuggets to contend with the Lakers. Everyone thought it would be... I We talked on the last podcast about how the Clippers have the deepest team, and the Nuggets shocked them. But what, what have you seen, Nolan, so far in basketball? Pretty much what I talked about last week is just that, that Miami is pretty much the Dallas Stars of basketball right now. They're not supposed to be here, and they're not supposed to be winning these games, but they are. And honestly, that uh, I feel like it's those kinds of people. I feel like that's why ratings are starting to pick back up again because here's a Miami Heat team that doesn't have Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and Chris Bosh that is making headlines and doing things they're not supposed to be doing and really shaking up the entire NBA. Because, I mean, you remember last free agency, we were talking about how, um, and we talked about this last week, how the the, the, the dual superstars uh, thing for each team uh, is like changing the way the NHL is played, or N- NHL, NBA, pardon. And, like, here here it is. I mean, they got, they got great players, Miami does, but not near the same level as everybody else who they've been beating and then like half the teams in the west yeah and and you're right they don't have lebron james they don't have Dwayne Wayne and all that but i'll tell you what they do have they have an incredible leader in jimmy butler who i think it's i think he gets way too much thrown at him and he gets labeled as this terrible guy but to me he's one of the best leaders in basketball they have a great young core behind him with Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, who in Game 1 versus Celtics had an insane block on Jason Tatum, which would have tied it with about five seconds left. And Duncan Robinson's been, I mean, that guy is lethal from outside the three-point line. Probably one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Goran Dragic, who's been slashing, getting in the lane, kicking it out. So the Heat, the Heat are a very well-rounded team. And for me, Boston, they just can't, they can't get inside enough. I mean, all their scoring comes from the wings with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So if they're going to come back from this 2-1 series, I think they're going to have to play better defense in the paint and get more scoring from their bigs. They like to play small ball with Jason Tatum, who's normally a wing player, playing the four. But we've seen that all across basketball, and that's what I I, I think I said it last week on the podcast, that Steph Curry had, in 2016 changed basketball forever. I mean, centers are... If you look at the Houston Rockets, they're, they're the perfect example. Centers, centers aren't really used in today's NBA. Everyone will have about one tall guy, but they're offensively, everyone wants a four that can shoot the three rather than can back you down to the basket. And so the Heat are like that as well, with Jimmy Butler playing the four when he's normally a three. And so we've been seeing guards kind of dominate the league, and the only team that's not like that is probably the title favorite right now with the Los Angeles Lakers who have LeBron, Anthony Davis, and JaVale McGee. And so that JaVale McGee playing the five and Anthony Davis playing the four, they're definitely the biggest team in basketball. And Anthony Davis has been giving the Joker some major problems. I, I just The reason why I think the Lakers are possibly going to sweep the Nuggets 
is because there's no one on that roster for the Nuggets that can guard Anthony Davis. Joker is too slow, and then everyone else is just too little. And we've been seeing that in these first two games, and they should have had game two. All they had to do was get a rebound. But for me, I, I don't see the Nuggets. I think they'll maybe get one game, but I don't see that series going more than five. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. It, it, it's, it's really turned into, into a series that, uh, you know, it, it's like we thought, you know, it's like every series prior, you, you look at both teams and you break them down, you see where their strengths and weaknesses are, and you never want to predict a sweep, and I don't think that this was the series to do that, but it, they're fairly overmatched. I'll say that. Bottom line. And that's oh, straight, exactly what we're seeing. I, and I just think it, it's nothing towards the Nuggets. What's, what's hurting them is their youth. I mean, their star players, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and the Joker, it's just they're just extremely young. And we're seeing the veteran presence of guys like Rajon Rondo coming off the bench for the Lakers. I mean, LeBron, how many times has he done in the postseason? And he's bringing all these ty- guys together. And so I like the Nuggets going forward in the future. Yeah, they'll be fine. Um, and 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 respect to the Nuggets. I before the postseason, I never thought the Nuggets were going to even. They were down three one in the first round. They came back, and then they were down three one versus the heavy title favorites, and came back versus probably the deepest team in the NBA. So credit to them. But what we're just seeing now is just they might be tired. They've played seven games in both series. And they're just playing a much much more physical, bigger, faster team, the Lakers, with the best duo in the NBA. Yeah, they just ran into a freight train. I mean, bottom, I, you know, they were, they, also, you know, you said it like they're young, and so it's it's not like we expected them to be, uh, we expected them to be out out, outplayed, and I use that term lightly. Um, you know, because they, bottom line, they were for the first two series, and you know they they, they definitely have tremendous fight and uh, and grit, and they'll, they'll they keep they keep moving forward no matter what. But they are definitely running into a well-oiled machine right now. That is just it, un, it, it's it's unstoppable, and I think that we all kind of saw that coming. Yeah, I mean. When the last time we saw LeBron James in the playoffs, we saw one of the greatest runs statistically that we've ever seen in basketball. And now that he's got a sidekick like Anthony Davis, and when when you can say the term sidekick Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis is probably a top five player in the NBA, you know you got a good team. So no doubt. And I I hate to say it because I know Peyton Peterson listens to this show. I still like Boston coming out of the East and come back from a two zero serious deficit I just think there's with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum I I think they're going to win in seven maybe six they can maybe win four in a row but I I said it before the playoffs started the Lakers Celtics and I'm keeping I'm keeping hold to that even though the Heat are like you said the Dallas Stars and the hottest team in the league so you're basically doing what everyone else was doing to the Stars (laughs) And you're kind of overlooking them because it was a uh, everyone thought the Knights were going to come back from two to one down against the Stars. Now, granted, different game, but I mean, it's the same thing. They're they're the hottest team, and and 
and you brought up Jimmy Butler, and I didn't want to. Da- I don't want to downplay what he's done, but you're right. This is a, but uh, but I, I I genuinely think that this is a team that is short a major major superstar player. Not to downplay Jimmy Butler, but compared to who's left, what players are left playing right now, he can't do it by himself. But he has a great, he has a better supporting cast than people give him credit for, and that's why. That you know, that's why they're still here. That's why they're still making noise. And I'm gonna kind of just play devil's advocate here, and I'm gonna say that I like the Heat to come out of the East. I like the Heat and Lakers. And by all means, I mean that, those are the two hottest teams in basketball. So that could very that could very well happen. It's just I'm holding on to my pick that I had before the postseason. I I, I still think. Bottom, like I still think Boston is the better team than the Miami Heat. Just when it comes to coaching, I think Brad Stevens is better than Eric Spolstra. I like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and the way Marcus Smart is playing. If he can continue that defense, whether he's guarding Tyler Hero or Jimmy Butler, so I, I'm still hanging on to Boston. But I think that's going to be a really good series. That it's at least going to go to six, in my opinion. It might go to seven. And so um, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun watching that series going forward. It's gonna definitely gonna be more entertaining than the Western Conference Finals because I I just don't see the Nuggets making that a series. I wouldn't be so quick to count them out though either. Uh, you, you said five. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say six Lakers win, but I'm 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 with you on this. They're gonna be fine in time, but I think they're a year too early, maybe two years too early. Oh, they're, they're going to be great going forward. I mean, that's what we said earlier. I mean, the the entire West, there's so many teams in the West that you can say, oh, going forward. The Mavericks are one of them with Luka and KP. And maybe if we can add one more player to that. So, I mean, it's called the Wild West for a reason, and the Nuggets are going to be a big part of that going forward. That's going to do it for crunch time with Mason. That was about uh, yeah, that was about the same time. I th- I think our basketball and hockey segments about line up to almost ten minutes apiece. Yeah, well done, well done, Nolan and Company Sports Crew. When we come back, we're going to talk college football. And uh, there was one team from the Big Twelve that played this week and v- looked very disappointing. And I also have an answer to somebody on my on my uh, little rant from last week. And we'll get into that next on the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. Welcome back, y'all. It is Earth, Wind, Fire, and Sports. The episode where we at Nolan and Company Sports pretty much use every September-themed cliche. We played September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Now we're playing Wake Me Up When September Ends by Green Day. Is there something we're missing? I don't know. I don't think there's any other September themed songs. Well, September theme is, you know, that's kind of a. I mean, what theme would September be? Like just a song about the fall? Or football? I mean, you could play the SEC on CBS for, for next show because that's coming back. Okay, I do want to say, though, real quick, I mean, it, you know, that's a good segue because this segment's about college football. 
but that has to be probably the best intro in all of oh. sports. The best television intro right here. I mean, CBS just does it right. This one, March Dude. Madness. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, man, when I hear that on the TV at 2.30 on Saturday, life is going to feel normal again. That one, March Madness, and the NFL on CBS. I, I just, CBS just does sports intro music right. Just bottom line. They just do it right. So speaking of college football, and speaking of SEC on CBS, the SEC is starting this week. And I believe, Mason, the Aggies play Vanderbilt? Yes, we do. I got up at 5 o'clock this morning to pull tickets. That is, that is absolutely like, that's devotion right there. I almost blanked hey, on the word, but that is devotion. For Florida, I'm camping out. Like, I'm going to sleep at Kyle Field, outside of Kyle Field. That is a very popular thing to do here at a and Is it going to be that thing where you, uh, where you uh, accidentally, like, everyone's quiet around you, and then so, like, you wake up and poke your head outside the tent and then realize that, like, you're, like, towards the back third of the line? <laughs> no, I mean... Last year I did it for the Auburn game, and I got there at like 8 p.m. the day before and was not prepared at all. I didn't bring a chair or anything, so I slept on cement with no pillow, and so I stayed up all night, but this time I'm going to try to bring something and try to sleep, but I mean, I'm going to be outside on cement again, and so it's very hard to do, but for Florida and LSU, I think it's going to be worth it. So, we've given our SEC predictions, and actually to the point where I'm pretty sure the day we did that, we ran out of time and couldn't talk about anything else. So, we won't spend too much time on it now, but SEC football is back, which means good football is back, and uh, because, let's talk, let's talk about what we saw on Saturday. Did you watch any football on Saturday, Mason? I watched Oklahoma State prove once again why the Big 12 is terrible. I watched... What did I watch after that? Um, I did not watch Miami in Louisville. I did not that catch that game. That one was close until it wasn't. Yeah, I I was watching the Stars and basketball instead of that. I, I was the only game the Stars instead of that. The only game I sat down and watched for more than two quarters was Oklahoma State and Tulsa. Oklahoma State. Now, they have an excuse because they lost their quarterback. Uh, It was something that no one could have seen coming. Uh, he didn't have the greatest start, but I am convinced that he would have just gotten progressively better throughout the game. And he probably would have looked better towards the third and fourth quarter had he not gotten hurt. 
But that backup quarterback for Oklahoma State did not do well at all. And I believe it was their third it was in the fourth quarter when they brought in their third string quarterback. That was when they started turning it around. Uh it was. Uh Illingworth is the third string quarterback for the Oklahoma, for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. He was four of five for seventy four yards, and he was their passing leader. Truba Hubbard only ran for ninety three yards on twenty seven carries. Oklahoma State trailed seven to three from j- just over a minute left in the first half to about four seconds into the fourth quarter. Uh, a field goal was Oklahoma State's only points until the fourth quarter. Chuba Hubbard scores on a three-yard run, and then Alex Hale kicks two more field goals. Oklahoma State field goal, Tulsa to death. That's basically what we saw. Now, again, losing Sanders was crippling. But you still expect something better from the Big 12. Now, Tulsa's no slouch. But 16-7, to the final score. And this is supposed to be the team with the best chance to knock off Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, you're right. That's it's supposed. To, they were supposed to be the runaway third-best team in the Big 12. Maybe second in front of Texas. But for sure top, for sure top three in the conference, and everyone th- that's the dark horse team to win the Big 12. So... I'm going to go into what I had teased before. So, Joel Klatt appears on uh, the ticket in Dallas once a week to talk college football. And almost immediately, they went into the Big 12. And he mentioned uh, something along the lines of that, of uh, the Big 12 is not dead. I don't remember his exact points or anything, but he was really kind of hitting on uh, how it's not a bad conference. I again, I, I I'd have to go back and listen. I forget his uh, his initial points, but he definitely kind of contradicted me. Uh, okay, I remember one of his points. His, his one of his points was you're as good as the as your top member makes you. Well, how good can we actually really see that Oklahoma is? When they're not getting any quality conference opponents. It is something that has killed Oklahoma in the past. Will probably continue to kill them. Uh, The Big 12 is not dead. I would like to just make that clear from last week's rant. I was not going on a rant that the Big 12 is dead. Okay? I'm not. I believe it's dying. I believe it's on life support. And I believe OU should jump ship when they get a chance. And wherever they go, they're going to take Oklahoma State with them. But the Big 12 is not dead. However, it is probably the worst Power 5 conference in college football. And the only reason you would contradict or argue that point is the fact that it's too much to Joel Klatt's point. You're as good as your top member makes you. 
Who's who won the Pac-12 last year? Utah. Oregon. Oregon. Oh, that's right. That's right. And Utah was ranked above them and probably the favorite out of the Pac-12 to go to the playoff if they had won. And they fail. And then get run in their bowl game against Texas. So, as far as how good your best is, there's no doubt that the Big 12 is probably better than the Pac-12. But as far as overall conference prestige, I'm really, really hard-pressed to find anyone... Any conference in of among the Power Five conferences worse than the Big Twelve, as far as overall conference prestige. I'll restate it like I did last week. We we expected what happened in Lawrence, Kansas. It's Kansas. Kansas lost to Coastal Carolina, who almost choked against the Campbell Camels this past week. What what? And and, we're, and this is supposed to be a Power 5 team? I don't see it. I just don't see it. And and Joel Klatt can make any point he wants. And he's, he's a great sports man. I love Joel Klatt. But this is a dying conference. And it became that way when Texas signed the deal for the Longhorn Network with ESPN. Bottom line. And I'm not going to go into the rant that I did last week. But this is a dying conference. Uh, probably should have died back in 2012, too, because the plan was for A&M, Texas... Oklahoma, all them to, and they were going to make the Pac-16, and then A&M broke course to go to the SEC. So it's been on the verge of dying for a little while now. Yeah, and, and the one death nail is probably going to come when... I'm sorry. I should say if Oklahoma does decide to jump ship and try to find another conference to join. That'll probably be the death of the Big 12. I really don't see any way of it being saved right now. And we've gone over this. But they, they had the chance and they blew it. Bottom line. Bottom line. I will still say that the Sun Belt is better than I think people give credit for. I say that even though knowing that the Raging Cajun almost blew it against Georgia State. And it took overtime to avoid it. But the Sun Belt is not a bad conference. I'm going to use that Texas State SMU game again. SMU beat North Texas 65-35. to this past week. SMU barely beat Texas State. While North Texas 
that put a smackdown on Houston Baptist, who Texas Tech only beat by two. I think the Sun Belt is not given enough credit. Because I think it's a better conference than people want to believe. I think people are quick to jump on the Big 12, a Big 12 team lost to a group of five team. And the Sun Belt, I think, the, the reason that is is just because the Sun Belt doesn't get a lot of exposure. Uh, unless, of course, they have that Friday game like uh, Coastal Carolina did, although I think Coastal Carolina may be in Conference USA. Am I mistaken? I am mistaken. Yeah, Coastal Carolina is in the Sun Belt. It's not a bad conference. And that's where App State is right now as well. And so I, I, I do think the Sun Belt is getting a lot better. Uh, I do think you need to worry about the American. Navy. I mean, just look at the way Navy got handled by BYU. And then Tulane, who had a close win against South Alabama, a Sun Belt team, by the way. And Navy ends up winning that game 27-24 on a game-winning field goal against Tulane. A pretty good Tulane team, too. The landscape of college football is changing. The Big 12 is not dead, but it's definitely dying. And I think that we're seeing a lot of group of five teams really kind of start to make statements. And so I think that the landscape of college football is about to change significantly. Mason, what do you think? I think you I think you said it exactly right. And this was the year to do so, to make a statement for those teams with teams starting at all different times and these group of five schools getting these opportunities to play certain teams. And they've been making statements and they've been getting more exposure with, you know, media and TV contracts and finally being able to play on ESPN so everyone gets to watch them get more exposure than what they are used to and so I think we are seeing group of five teams finally make a name for themselves and I think you're right about the Sun Belt as we don't give them near enough credit for what they deserve but for me the Big 12 shouldn't go 0-3 versus the Sun Belt no matter what teams are playing oh no I no matter who's playing who yeah and then your third best team in the conference shouldn't beat Tulsa at home by nine and are you and your fourth best team lose to Louisiana at home, and so the Big Twelve is going to have to figure it out. And in five years, we could we might not be talking about the Big Twelve anymore because it might not be a conference for much for any longer if they continue this up. They're going to have to get some more competition. I think we've discussed it. They're going to have to get two more teams if they want to stay around. They're going to have to bring in Iowa and maybe Nebraska to stay relevant because they're they're slacking right now in Power Five. Well, they're going to have to fix their money issues, and that's really the, the base of the issue. Uh, I, I do want to say, though, I may rescind what I said last week about Iowa State. Uh, the Raging Cajun are ranked 19th. They are ranked for the first time since World War II. I want to see where this goes. They almost blew it against Georgia State, but I want to see where this goes. And if they can prove that... I mean, App, App State is in the, is in the Sun Belt, uh, unless they have already moved to the uh, Conference USA, which I know they are supposed to shortly, if they haven't already. 
Uh, yeah, no, they're in the Sun Belt. Uh, so I know that. I, I want to see where this goes. I want to see what the Raging Cajun can do. And if they can make a statement win, if they can get a few statement wins, and we don't know what bowl season is going to look like, but if they can get a bowl game against a respectable Power 5 team that's not in the Big 12, because if it's the Big 12 and they win, then people are going to focus on the Big 12 losing. If they can get a win against a fairly quality Big 10 team or ACC team, then I think that people are going to finally start looking around the Sun Belt. And then I think that Iowa State loss uh, doesn't look near as bad. I still think, though, that the Big 12... I, I, I'm saying all this to say that, that the Big 12 is not where it should be. And that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Mason, what games are you going to be watching this week other than the Aggies? <laughs> I'm glad you put that out there because all of a sudden we will in attendance to watch my Aggies. I, I'm really looking forward to my 11 o'clock game that I cannot wait to see is Kentucky versus Auburn. I mean, my eyes are going to be glued to the TV because it's a return of the SEC. Um, I really think Kentucky has a shot to beat Auburn on the road week one. Auburn lost a lot of offensive linemen. They lost four of their starting five, and then they lost Derrick Brown and a lot of their impact players on defense so i'm looking forward to that and trying to think other games i I normally watch about three a day the 11 2 30 and obviously i'm gonna watch the aggies at six so my two o'clock game that i'll look it's probably lsu mississippi state to get an eye of what that mike leach offense looks like with kj ostello and kylan hill i'll probably watch a little bit of texas and texas tech before i head to kyle field at about 5, 5.30, and then watch the Aggies at 6. I'm going to have my eyes on a non-Power 5 game, and that's saying something because OU plays Kansas State, and we have to uh, we have to make sure that the, that, um, that the world is back in order. And, uh, you know, we had to fix some issues from last year, and uh, we got to beat Kansas State this year. Uh, I'm going to keep my eyes on Army and Cincinnati. I feel like that's a game that's not really going to be watched that much this week. But Cincinnati... Ranked 14, this is a good team, and Army's ranked 22nd. I, I, I think this is going to be a good game, and honestly, I'm hard-pressed to pick the Bearcats. I, I'm I'm leaning towards the Knights on this one. I am. Uh, I'm also going to have my eyes on, uh, uh, obviously, on Aggies and Vandy. I want to see what, uh, I mean, I kind of have an expectation of what uh, A&M brings back. Uh, but I really just, you know, it's a lot easier said when you see it with your own eyes. Um, and then I second what you said about Kentucky and Auburn. I think that's going to be a really, really good game. And uh, I think that we could see the Wildcats come up with the upset. That is going to do it for college football talk. And that's just about to do it for our show. But Mason, a conference is not playing right now, at least yet. And it may change, but maybe not. Who's your favorite team in the Mountain West Conference? I don't think... Have we done this one yet? Have we done the Mountain West? I don't think we have. I don't think we have either. Who's your favorite team in the Mountain West? I mean, I feel like this is a popular answer, but i got to go Boise State. Because they provided me... Honestly, just because of one reason, and I don't know, you're not going to like this. No, I know. That one game... Yeah, 
that was one of the first football games I ever watched. And that's still, till this day, my favorite college football game of all time. And so, even even over A&M LSU. And so, mine's Boise State. And that, and it was all because of that win in 2007 versus Oklahoma. So I feel like I got to stick with the first team I ever knew from the Mountain West. Well, they were in the whack back then. Well, yeah, they were, but they're in the Mountain West now. So got fair it. enough. Fair enough. Uh, I'm probably gonna have to go with mine. So mine, because of my best friend Will, uh, he he went to Boise State for a time. Uh, he's gonna want me to say the Broncos, but I just can't. Uh, so, uh, uh, even though I did get to see the only five minutes they played against Boston College in the first Responder Bowl two years ago, that was fun, he said sarcastically. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Hawaii. And, and really, it's just like, I just love that story that they have. I mean, look, this is a team that has to, any away game, they have to cross an ocean, like half an ocean, and in some cases, and then some. Right, My, they do get the game against San Diego State, where it's just as soon as as soon as you see land, you land. Uh, San Jose State, Fresno State, you can throw easily throw in those California schools, but when they got to play Boise or Utah or, uh, or I'm sorry, Utah State or uh, UNLV or Nevada or Air Force or New Mexico, that's a long trip for Hawaii to have to take. And so I just, you know, I, I wish they were good. I wish they were better. I really do, because that'd be an amazing story. Like, literally this team, literally and figuratively, just this team out on an island. <laughs> literally and figuratively, or metaphorically, I should say, not figurative. Metaphorically, this team out on an island, and they, like, they've got to, you know, obviously the home games are good, right? But, you know, I'm... I don't. I really don't think they're selling out Aloha Stadium, but I mean they've got a home field advantage. It's crazy because you know everybody they play has to be on a blank hour uh, on an X hour uh, plane trip just to get there, and obviously they have the reverse because when they got to go somewhere else, it's just it, that kind of sucks. And so I'm going with Hawaii just because my hat's off to them. It's kind of what they. Uh, you know they make do with what they uh, with what with the hand that's dealt to them, and you know what they don't do too bad at it. So uh, I'm going with Hawaii on that one. Mason, they're any final my, thoughts? They're definitely my favorite in the West for sure, and then in the mountain region, it's Boise State. When it comes to the mountain, I got to take Air Force. Respectable. I got I got I got to stick with the Service Academy. It's just uh, sentimental reasons mainly, and. Uh, you know, God bless America. So that's why. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. It is 647 on the 21st night of September. Go watch hockey. Go Stars. Go follow us on Twitter. I'm at Real Nolan Ruth. I'll be tweeting throughout the game. Uh, go follow Mason at Mason Pruitt 10. And uh, go follow our company Twitter page at Company Nolan for retweets of all our high school football updates. And, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll throw out a funny tweet in there somewhere as well. You guys stay safe, have a wonderful fall, and we'll see you all next week.